Okay, is that better? First time wearing a headset. It's just in case you're wondering, I'm not Madonna. We do, we do have a lot in common. She and I, we're both from Detroit. She, uh, she claims Judaism, as do I. I think that might be where the similarity ends. I'm not sure. So, uh, everybody have enough matzah in their tummies? This is what we do. But seeing that Chag HaMatzot lasts for seven days, it lasts until Wednesday, you still have plenty of chances to fry it up and, and enjoy it. You know, this is not my first time speaking here. I, I, I know you see me here leading prayer sometimes, and I love doing it. I love walking up those stairs, and everybody that walks up those stairs, it's like you get closer to God. It's not, it's not the one or two feet of elevation. It's not like if you climb a mountain, you're actually closer, but it's like you're here doing his work, his service. You're, you're laying it out. You're, here's my heart, Lord. As you will. I had a really good message to give today. It's been percolating in me for, for years and years and years. And it has to do with the scriptures of this week. But I could not, in conscious, I couldn't go to Rabbi David and say, Rabbi, can I please give this message? I, I know it's going to be Pesach, and, but I can talk, you know, you can... No, I couldn't do that. But when he did mention to me that he was going to be gone because of his memorial service, I, I went home, I prayed about it with my wife, Beth, and the next week I go, Rabbi, I've got a message if I can. If I can. And now, I don't know how much each of you knows Rabbi, he is very encouraging. His answer to most questions is, why not? So, so here I am. So the first thing I'd like to do is I'd like just to take a moment and recount the Seder we had here at the Shalom Center next door on Wednesday. Um, how about a, a round of applause for... Brian and Deanne and their families. Brian, Brian's parents are with us. They were rolling up their sleeves and working, and his children, Brendan and Audrey, they were here. I mean, they, they were doing heavy lifting, the, the things that I could not do, and I'm very appreciative of them curating the evening putting so much love and effort into it. It was, it was such a blessing to attend. Now, if you missed it, feel free to hold one of your own. I mean, this Chag HaMatzot, it's a seven-day holiday. You got till Wednesday. You can do your own Seder. If you need a Haggadah or anything, just ask. We got them. 
But that night, Wednesday night, was, it was special. It was special for me. I felt the Spirit. I felt God's Spirit there with us, just, guide, just guiding our way. I mean, Eric Painter was providing the music, and if you listen to Eric, you know that it's not playing piano. It's not like he's, it's flows through him. He has a gift from above that is so obvious, so apparent, and so beautiful. And I was, I was loving it. We had Daniel and Maggie playing violin. I got to say, one of the high points for me, they did a duet on the violin, Shalom Aleichem. And it was, it touched me. It was so emotional. It was like, it was like to my core. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, you know, Cantor Aaron, who led services today, he led several portions of the, of the Seder, and he was the one that explained Elijah's cup. You know, Eva, I know she's here, I've seen her. Eva Sandoval asked the four questions, and in her sweet little, her sweet voice, very, very touching. It was, you know, but maybe the high point was when our future cantor sitting back there, Aaron Diem, not, well, not Aaron, his alter ego, Moisha, <laughs> he did the telling of the story. And it was in such a entertaining fashion. He went fast, but he was fact-checked. It was biblically accurate. <laughs> I mean, the food was great, but the only thing I'm going to call out is Deanne made these giant trays of dessert for each table. There were more than a dozen tables there, and it was, oh my gosh, what a labor of love that was, and I loved it. Uh, so it was just a special event, a special time honoring God's appointed time of Passover. So can we just give a moment of encouragement again to those who have participated and those who attended? It was such a great... <laughs> did you all notice when you left, or even if you weren't there, did you go outside that evening? There was a full moon out. Now, many of the Lord's holy days, I know people call them Jewish holidays, but they're not holidays, they're holy days. Days to the Lord that he sets aside for us. But so many of them have a full moon on purpose. I mean, think about what God said to us in Genesis. He said, let there be lights in the expanse of heaven to separate day from night. Let these be for seasons, days, and years. And isn't that so when you put up like your Sukkot, your Sukkah on Sukkot, and you sit there and you cover it, but not completely, you leave space so that God can join you. Yay.
So, Passover. It's a time of remembrance. We remember. We remember what God did for us in Egypt. We remember all the signs and wonders he performed to get the attention of the people. What people? The slaves, the Egyptians, everybody. You know, right here in our sanctuary, we have a symbol of God that reminds us of when he called Moses to his service. It's, it's hanging right here. I don't know if, if everybody realizes what this is a representation of. First of all, it is an eternal light, which God commands at his gatherings, a light that never goes out, and that is a representation of the burning bush that God used to communicate and to call Moses to his purpose. It's a reminder, even in the most unlikely times and places, I mean, Moses was in the middle of nowhere, at the foot of a mountain, but God is there for us with his burning passion. So, remember God's promises. He made promises to Noah, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We remember promises all throughout the Torah, all throughout the prophets and the writings, and the Brit Kadashah. Hundreds of promises. They stretch from Genesis to Revelation. We remember, especially knowing that these, that these promises are for you and I. If you want to undertake a rewarding Bible study, and who doesn't, just go through the Bible and make note of every time God says, remember, remember this, remember that time. If you did this study and you did one book a week, you'd be done in 66 weeks. I promise, you do this, it will change your life. So, Passover. We remember how God redeemed us from slavery. How Adonai, he defeated the most powerful king out there. And all of his false gods. We also remember Yeshua, how he defeated sin once and for all during the Passover season. On the day of first fruits, the day after the Shabbat that occurs in Passover, you know, tomorrow, we remember the promises. We remember the promises of Passover old with Yeshua. And we remember even older. Now, I asked Rabbi to speak today, once I knew he wasn't going to be here, because we had discussed in the past some of my personal history. And there is an event, a marker in my life, that has to do with the reading today. So I will, I will be sharing that during this message. Now this last week, Rabbi spoke about the importance of remembering recalling and recounting the things that the Lord has done for us. This, that's your testimony. 
we're told in Revelation that we overcome evil by what? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. On Passover, we remember two lambs. The one God commanded we slaughter and use its blood to paint our doorposts. We remember that God required this as a sign that the people believed him and believed in him. We also remember the one, John the Immerser, that he recognized and proclaimed in the book of John chapter 1. Can we turn there? John 1, we're going to start verse 19. I use the uh, complete Jewish Bible, the David Stern translation, and he uses Hebrew names. So the name John in Hebrew, Yochanan. Okay, John 1, verse 19. Here is Yochanan's testimony. When the Judeans sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He was very straightforward and clearly stated, I am not Messiah. Then who are you, they asked. Are you Elijah? No, I am not, he said. Are you the prophet, the one we're expecting? No. So they said to him, who are you? So that we can give an answer to the people who sent us. Any children in here? It's so that we can tattle on you. What do you have to say about yourself? So he answered with the, the words from Isaiah, the prophet. He said, I am the voice of someone crying out in the desert, making the way of Adonai straight. So these priests, these Pharisees, they asked him, if you're neither Messiah nor Elijah nor the prophet, then why are you immersing people? He replied, I am immersing people in water, but among you is standing someone who you don't even know. Verse 27, he is the one coming after me. I'm not good enough even to untie his sandals. I'm going to skip to 29. The next day, Yochanan saw Yeshua coming towards him and said, Look, God's lamb, the one who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I was talking about when I said, After me is coming someone who ranks above me because he existed before me. I myself did not know who he was, but the reason I came immersing in water was so he might be made known to Israel. Then Yochanan gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit coming down from heaven like a dove and remaining on him. I myself did not know who he was, but the one who sent me to immerse in water said to me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining, this is the one who immerses in the Ruach HaKodesh. And I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. Is there anyone here with us?
who can bear witness to Adonai, to the Son of God, to Ruach Kodesh? Lots of us. I encourage you, share. Share your stories. Share your accounts. You know, every day we are bombarded with evil, with violent news, with stories of war. We are blanketed in darkness. There is an enemy trying to blot God out from the world. I am saying loud and clear, not my words, but the words that John said, 1 John chapter 5, verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and proclaim. God is light, and there is no darkness in him, none. If we claim to have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we are lying and not living out the truth. But if we are walking in the light, as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of his son Yeshua purifies us from all sin. Amen. It's important that we share our history, that we talk about God's great work in our life. Do we come to synagogue to listen to the beautiful music, hear a message, and then just go back to living our lives? By sharing our lives, by sharing our stories, that's how we grow our community of faith, our family, how we get bolstered and bolster others. Now me, I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan a long time ago. So long that during my lifetime, the Detroit Lions won an NFL championship. Okay, I was too young to know it at the time, but it happened. Now, my grandfather, my Zeta, he was a great influence in my life. He was a rabbi in a shtetl in Poland, a small village where he was raised. Father, my great-grandfather, he was a great rabbi in the synagogue there. So one day, I was maybe eight or nine years old. It was after synagogue. My grandfather, my Zadik, he called me over to him. He picked me up and sat me on his lap. It was just the two of us together in that room. And he asked me, so, what do you want to know out of the Bible? Honestly, at that time, I didn't want to know anything. I didn't read it as something to learn from. I didn't read it as truth. I didn't read it as, here's God talking to you. I just like looking at the pictures. He asked again, what do I want to know? I froze. I couldn't think of anything. But I remembered the picture I saw that day. It was a really cool drawing, a pencil drawing. So I asked him about that. He goes, that's a pretty complicated story. I might be too young to understand. Don't I want to know anything else? Now, had he suggested a topic, he said, hey, you want to know about the flood, Noah's Ark? You want to know about Garden of Eden? <laughs> he didn't. He left it off to me. So I asked him about today's Haftorah, Ezekiel 37, the Valley of Dry Bones. 
He said, okay. And he gave me my one and only lesson. He passed shortly afterwards. So, talking about him, talking about this passage in Ezekiel, my goal, my aim here is to honor him. Yechiel Meir is his name. His memory, his life as his rabbi. The heritage, but first and foremost, the God that we both love and worship. Can we turn to Ezekiel 37, please? Starting at the beginning, verse 1. With the hand of Adonai upon me, Adonai carried me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He had me pass by all around them. There were so many bones lying in the valley, and they were so dry. He asked me, Bain Adam, Son of man, can these bones live? I answered, Adonai Elohim, only you know. So he said to me, prophesy over these bones, say to them, dry bones, hear what Adonai has to say. To these bones, Adonai Elohim, the Lord your God says, I will make breath enter you, and you will live. I will attach ligaments to you, make flesh grow on you, cover your skin, and put breath, put ruach in you. You will live, and you will know that I am Adonai. Now that verse, verse 5, I will make breath, I will make Ruach enter you and live. I want to talk about Ruach. If you're around Beth Israel much, you hear this word a lot. The, the first translation of this word is spirit. It means spirit, as in Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, or Ruach HaElohim, the Spirit of God. But if you have your um, Hebrew-English dictionary with you and you look it up, it will translate as spirit, yes, but also as wind, also as breath. Now, let's have a language lesson, shall we? One word, ruach. I'll tell you what, let's do it this way. Take your hand, put it in front of your mouth, kind of close, and say ruach. Again, louder. Ruach. Did you feel it? Did you see it? Can you see your breath? Can you see the spirit? No, but you can feel it. So what is it? What is your breath? Hmm. Is it your spirit? Or is it God's? Now, you know spirit can't be seen. 
It can be felt. We just proved it. The Spirit, it can guide you. Some call it intu intuition, like a gut reaction or a feeling. I had a feeling I shouldn't do that. Had that a lot as a teenager. It can be powerful. It can be delicate. You know, we are introduced to spirit, to ruach, very early in the Bible, like page 1, verse 2. The Bible begins, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was unformed and void. Darkness was on the face. And the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the water. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God spoke. Him speaking, he's releasing his spirit. You speak and you're releasing your spirit. So watch your words, right? Yes, that's what it says. There are more examples. There are lots of examples. I'm going to just cover a few so that we, so we can cover Ruach in the Bible, examples of it as breath, as wind, and as spirit. These are quick passages, so you don't need to turn to them unless you want to, unless you're fast. The next one is Genesis 2-7. Then Adonai, God, he formed a person from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life so that he became a living being. It was God's breath, God's ruach, that gave and gives man life. Since it's Passover time, let's take an example from Passover. Exodus 14, 21. Moshe reached his hand out over the sea. Adonai caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all night. Baruch Kadim Azah. By wind, Baruch, east, Kadim, Azah. Strong. One more example from Acts 2. Suddenly there came a sound from the sky, like the roar of a violent wind. Baruch Azah. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw it looked like tongues of fire, which separated and came to rest on each one of them. They were all filled with the Ruach HaKodesh and began to talk in different languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. So these are examples of Ruach as wind and breath and Spirit. Okay. So back to Ezekiel 37. As you can have probably figured out, this passage, this chapter, is about God's Spirit. Verse 7, so I prophesied as order, and while I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. It was the bones coming together, each bone in its proper place. And I watched, ligaments grew on them, flesh appeared, and skin covered them, but there was no ruach in them. Next, he said to me, 
prophesy El HaRuach, to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Say to the breath, say that Adonai Elohim says, come for the four winds, Ruchot, plural of Ruach. O breath, and breathe on these slain so they can live. So I prophesied as ordered, and the breath came into them, and they were alive. They stood up on their feet. It was a huge army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. And they are saying, Our bones have dried up. Our hope is gone. We're completely cut off. I read that. And that puts me right back in Passover. Didn't the Hebrew slaves think they were completely cut off at the Red Sea? They were escaping slavery, running away from Pharaoh. But they were trapped. They were trapped between an army, the biggest army ever on one side, and the sea on the other. Saw no way out. They saw no way forward. All they saw was the end of their lives. They cried out, why did you bring us here to die? Have you ever said that? Have you ever reached the end? Thought you were trapped with no way forward? Have you ever felt at the end of hope? I encourage you, the next time you feel, if it, uh, if it comes to pass, that you feel hopeless and alone, remember. Remember what Moses said to the people, trapped between the army and the sea. He said, stop. Stop being so afraid. Remain steady, and you will see how Adonai is going to save you. He will do it today. Just calm yourselves down. I guess you could have said that to the bones too. So God says to Ezekiel back, 37, 12, prophesy, say to the bones that Adonai says, my people, I will open your graves. I will make you get up out of your graves and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am Adonai when I have opened your graves and made you get up out of your graves, my people. I will put my spirit in you, and you will be alive. Now let's just take a moment. I will put my spirit in you, and you will be alive. Is that not the exact words that Adonai would have said to Yeshua 2,000 years ago in the tomb? You know, we pray every Shabbat to give Orah. We prayed it today. I think I will close this message with that. Atagi borle Adonai. You, O oh Lord, you're mighty forever. 
You raise the dead. You are mighty to save. You sustain the living with tender, hearty, loving, kindness, and grace. You resurrect the dead with abundant mercy. So You uphold the falling. You heal the sick. You set free those in bondage. And you keep faith with those that sleep in the dust. Who is like you, master of mighty deeds. And who can compare to you? Yeshua, king who causes death, restores life, makes salvation sprout. And you are faithful to resurrect the dead. Baruch Adonai, blessed are you, O Lord. Who resurrects the dead. Amen. We'll close with the uh, ironic blessing. We can stand. We can stand as one with unity. I know some might not be able to stand, but I asked my wife to stand with me, as she does with everything else. The Lord will bless you and will keep you. The Lord will cause the light of his face to shine on you and he'll be gracious to you. The Lord will lift his countenance upon you and he will grant you his peace, the peace that is beyond all understanding. I pray this in the name of the Prince of Peace, Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen.